Amen. Well, we are continuing our series, When God Becomes Small, and we have a very, very important theological question that we need to deal with right at the top. This is significant and important. I know it's been on the top of your mind. There's big questions in life like, you know, is there a God? Why does evil exist? But this question may be the biggest one of all. It's this. What superhero has the greatest powers? Okay, what superhero has the greatest powers? Yeah, that's exactly what you were going to ask. Well, I will tell you this. I was driving home from a cross-country meet yesterday, and I had two of the greatest minds of our generation in the backseat of my car. And they asked me, because they just knew that I have uh, incredible insight, and I uh, know uh, uh, great great thoughts and philosophies on these things. And so they asked me this exact question. It was Jono and Titus. They were asking me, what superhero do you think is the toughest? Uh, Which one do you think is the strongest? And so we went through the list a little bit. Uh, We, uh, of course, we talked about um, a few. Here's here's a couple. I'm going to frame it and you got to decide right here. Here's a few right here. Okay, we got Spider-Man, all right? Anybody a fan of Spider-Man? Okay, Spider-Man, spider powers, all right? He can shoot a web, he's got strength, he can climb a wall. Uh, What else can Spider-Man do? Uh, Doesn't he have like some, he what? He can sense danger, okay? Uh, It's from all those years of people like trying to stomp on spiders, I think. Uh, He has like his spidey sense. That's what it is, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I saw in one of the movies, he's also a pretty good cage uh, match wrestler. Uh, I also saw that as well. So he has lots of strengths. Spider-Man's pretty powerful, pretty cool outfit. If you're talking about outfits, I think that's up there. Would you agree? I mean, all right, all right, all right. So we got Spider-Man. Here's a, here's another one. We got Thor. Oh, isn't Thor dreamy? All right. Uh, With the long flowing hair. This is the movie that just recently came out. I know my kids were watching it. And here's what I do whenever they say, we're going to watch a superhero movie. I say, "Uh, enjoy. And I walk away. Uh, So I don't really know what Thor does. Um, I think he's got a giant like a giant sledgehammer. I have no idea. Somebody help me out. What does Thor do? What's Thor's powers? His just long, dreamy hair? Is that what it is? Long, dreamy hair. What is it? Lightning. So he can control lightning? What does he do with lightning? He's the god of thunder. He's the, oh, he's the god of thunder. Okay, all right. What does the hammer do? Just, it's just a cool little accessory? <laughs> I, I have no... What does the hammer do? Brings, okay, thank you. It brings down the thunder. You know what? I'm going to say that now. Every time I'm doing like a little little home project and I get the hammer out, it's like, time to bring down the thunder. You know, I, I like it. All right. All right. Thor brings down the thunder. He's got the hammer. He can uh, control lightning and he has that, that stare, you know? Uh, all right. All right. What else do we got? We got, all right. What's the next one? Ah, the classic. Come on. The classic. We got Superman. Uh, Superman can fly. Superman can do laser things with his eyes, right? I've seen Superman do this. Um, Superman is obviously super strong. I even saw him 
one time, this is back in the day, many of you are too young for this, but one time, he flew around the earth so fast in the reverse direction that the earth spun backwards and time went backwards. I don't know if he had to spin it back up the other way or something like that, but it, it, it's a fact. It's a fact. If you spin the earth backwards, time goes backwards because that makes a lot of sense. But so he can time travel, supposedly. He's, you know, strong, can fly, all that kind of stuff. Anything else, Superman? He does. He's got super wind. Superman has super breath. He, does he need like a Tic Tac or does he, uh, is, it, is it super good breath or just super powerful? Minty, fresh, powerful breath. I was not aware of that, that superpower. Thank you for the help there. Um, yeah, and he's got his classic cape and the cool logo right there. Absolutely. Okay, we got Superman, but you have to remember kryptonite. He's got his kryptonite, so that is something you got to consider. We got ourselves Batman, all right? Anybody a Batman fan here? All right, listen. Batman, what is, Batman's superpowers is he's got, like, a lot of money, I think. That's his superpower, right? And he's got a cool car, and he has some bad family memories from the past or something like that. So he's a little bit uh, troubled. Uh, and mysterious. Uh, all right. So, uh, all right. Okay. There's your choices. I know there's lots of others, but there's your choices. Okay. We got number. We're going, go back. Let's go back. Let's go back real quick. Okay. You can only vote for one. Number one is Spider-Man. Number two is Thor. Number three is Superman. Number four is Batman. Okay, are you ready? Lock in your answers in your head. Don't be influenced by peer pressure and those around you. Raise your hand high and lift up the fingers that correspond. Once again, number one, Spider-Man. Number two, Thor. Number three, Superman. Number four, Batman. Are you ready? One, two, three. Lock in your answers. We got, a, we got a few fours, we got quite a few threes, we got a sprinkling of ones and twos, everyone, Superman is definitely the winner, and let me just, okay, let me just say, uh, it, you know what, that breath pushed it over the top, I believe that, let me just say, okay, for those of you who voted Batman, this is the heated did. Uh, exchange I had in my car yesterday. Um, for those of you who, who voted bad, he doesn't have any superpowers at all. I mean, you know, he's pretty tough. He's got the cool suit and everything, but, but come on. Like, if he's not in that outfit and I could sneak up from, him, from behind, I think I could take Batman. I think I could take him. Uh, you know, maybe in my prime, okay? All right, I've had a couple knee surgeries, but... I don't know. I don't know. I, come on, Batman. No superpowers at all. Actually, uh, I'm glad we're having this conversation right here. There was a seven-year university study. Students at the University of uh, Lancaster 
uh, used all these calculations and they looked at all the superpowers of different superheroes and they published a study in the Journal of Physics and Special Topics and they also published this study in the Journal of Interdisciplinary Science Topics. And they determined that the strongest superhero is, you want to know who it is? Superman. We got it correct. Seven-year university study right here. We'll just show you. This is their findings. They rated all of these different characteristics. I'm sure, there you go. You can't read it, but, but a seven-year university study, they rated Superman number one and Wolverine number two. I don't even know what Wolverine does other than has long nail things, okay? I think him and Edward Scissorhands would be about tied, but I don't know. Uh, I'm not a superhero guy, but Superman is the winner. Church of the Creek, once again, you show your intellect, and uh, you are correct. Uh, Superman is the winner. Well, we're talking about how uh, when God becomes small, and I think that a lot of times in our life, we think about the greatness of God, and we almost think about it like a superhero. We think about it like this. We think about, okay, what kind of superpowers does Jesus have? Well, and we can compare him to Superman, right? Superman has flight. He has minty fresh breath. He has laser eyes. He can time travel. Jesus, he calmed a storm. Okay, all right, take that Thor. Uh, he calmed a storm without a hammer, okay? Calmed a storm. He heals blind people. He has power over death, his own death and other people's death. And he is extraordinarily helpful at a cocktail party. If you are short on wine, he is incredibly helpful. And he can also uh, help you with extra bread if you need it in a pinch when 5,000 people show up for a meal, but sometimes I think we think of God, and the first thing that we think of is we think about God's strength. We think about God's power. There are attributes that are really essential and important. And these things I don't want to minimize in any way because we do believe that there is a God, one God, that is for all time. The Alpha and Omega was not created, but from out of every created everything. Everything is created out of God. That he is omnipowerful. He is all-powerful. He is omnipresent, meaning he, is, he can go beyond time and space, and he can be a part of all of our conversations at once. He can be present here and present somewhere else, and is beyond our kind of ability to maybe even process or understand, but God is beyond us. We understand, we believe that God is omniscient, is all-knowing, is wise. And beyond that, that the attributes of God that are talked about in Scripture is God is loving, is patient, is kind, is all of these attributes that we want to pursue with our life. So I think a lot of times we do think about the power of God as the greatness of God. And it's appropriate to understand that and know. It would be disappointing, right? If we prayed to a God that said, I'm sorry, I can't help you today because I, there's kryptonite that is around me right now. Or 
you know, I'm having to battle for or, or something like It would be disappointing if God wasn't sufficient, if God wasn't powerful. But what I want to focus in on and what this series is talking about is the greatness of God is all of those things. But sometimes we forget that the greatness of God is all the other things. All the other things that he does. Let's read in the book of Acts chapter 17. And there's this uh, encounter and there's this conversation that Paul has with people that are trying to figure out their place in life. Are asking big questions. I, I'm guessing because this is in the time where, where uh, all of these Greek gods were popular and people talked about all these multitude of gods that are coming up in superhero movies these days, that they had conversations about what God is more powerful, what, uh, what, what is uh, the, the most powerful, amazing God that there is. And Paul has this conversation with people in Athens, and it's really interesting to be able to peek into what's going on in the world there. And his response says this in Acts 17, verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. And this was common at the time. All kinds of different gods were worshipped. And Paul, the apostle, is confronted in this environment with this. Verse 17. So he reasoned in the synagogue. With both Jews and God-fearing Greeks. As well in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Agropolis. I can't say words like that. Uh, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears. And we would like to know what they mean. All of the Athenians and the foreigners who live there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. We're going to pause there. We'll pick it back up in a moment. But it's really, you see, we get, we get this conversation from, uh, from history. and We get kind of the, the mindset of what's taking place and what's, what's going on. There is an incredible mixture of all kinds of different cultures and religions that are a part of the Roman world at this time. Right after the life of Jesus. And there's this period where Greek culture spreads all over this region. But the Roman Empire takes over and they're powerful. So there's this big mix. This big mix of thoughts. Lots of philosophies. Lots of gods. Lots of concepts about things. And really this period of time is a period that is a bunch of people that are confused. They don't know what to believe. They're not sure. They've heard all kinds of different philosophies, all kinds of ideas. And the common everyday person was just kind of confused. And really, in this culture and this time, they were just very superstitious. Because they thought, 
hey, there's lots of different gods, and I just, I don't want to make any of them mad. So they were just very superstitious and confused about what was the truth. In fact, uh, some of you know, I am, I am now uh, a Bible teacher at Faith Christian Academy. One of my essay questions on my test a couple of weeks ago, you ready for this, is for five points. Describe the religious belief and philosophies that are a part of the Greek and Roman culture. How was the typical person influenced by these beliefs? Now you can answer that question and get five points from Professor Hedick. I'm calling myself Professor Hedick now because one of my classes gets college credit. So I'm just making my family call me Professor. All right. Uh, But anyways, that has nothing to do with anything we're talking about. But I thought, you know... You know, that's, that was one of my questions on my test. Now you can answer it. Okay, so there was all this mixture of belief, all these mixtures of ideas. And Paul steps into that and says, all right, let's have this conversation. There's two different philosophers that are there that are arguing with Paul. The Epicureanism. This is the idea that pleasure is the chief good. That it shouldn't be like, it's not like, that just unbridled, do whatever you want, but the meaning of life is to pursue happiness. That's a kind of point of view that a lot of people still have. And then the other person was a Stoic that was arguing that said, you know what, Stoics, their view was you have to accept your fate and don't let emotions control you. So if bad things happen to you, move on. Be Stoic about it. And don't let emotions in any way rule you. Only reason should rule you. They're having this conversation and and Paul steps in and, and, and they're looking at him and saying, what is this person talking about? This is some strange ideas to our ears. How could you think about that? Because stop for a minute. If you're thinking about and pondering the universe and thinking about what is God like, You're probably making a list of superpowers. You're probably making a list of what's the strongest. Who's the the one that would win in a brawl like you see in all of these Marvel movies? Who is the one that's the most powerful? Because I want to be on the side of that one. And Paul is talking to them about a person that came down to earth and died on a cross. A person that came and suffered, but rose from the dead. What are you talking about? How crazy is that? What kind of strange teaching are you bringing us? And that's where the conversation is. Continues on. In verse 22, it says this. Then Paul stood up in the meeting of the, you know, that, that word there that I can't pronounce, and said, people of Athens... I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with an inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. 
From one man he made all the nations, and they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. So Paul gives this mini speech right here. This mini speech, and maybe it gives us a little clues as to why they're thinking he's so strange and what he's talking about. That he does start and he says, yeah, all of those things that you may think about, all of those things you may debate, the power of God, that's all true. The God I'm talking about did create all things. He is the one that gives everybody life. But the thing that you have to recognize, the thing that you have to know, and he says it right here in verse 27, and he says, he is not far from any one of us. He's not far. He's not distant. He's not removed. He is not far in any way. And he talks about the person and life of Jesus Christ. When I was in college, I remember I was, uh, I was studying for ministry and I would uh, take kind of my evenings before I went to bed and I would go on a walk and it was my favorite thing to do because I would go out and look up and the stars were brilliant. And I don't know about you, but I just love going on walks when the stars are out. Love going on walks when the stars are out because you just look up. And I used to just always walk around and I would look up and I would think, unbelievable. How many stars are there? There's billions. They said there's billions and there's billions of galaxies. And I just remember I would always look out and I was always thinking about and pondering the bigness of God, how big and unbelievable and amazing God is and, and how un- inconceivable it is. The distance between these stars, the size of the universe, the complexity of life. And I, re- I remember I'd, I'd go out every night because I was a ministry student, and I felt like it was important for me to just have a routine of prayer, and that was my favorite thing to do. Go out right at night all by myself and walk around and look up into the stars. And that's what my pattern was, and that's what I did. But something happened in those moments, and it's something maybe you have experienced in life too. Something happened when I was going and looking up for the big things in the stars, pondering the big questions of the universe and just saying simple prayers to God and trying to, trying to think about my place in life. Something happened in my heart and in my life that was transforming. It wasn't me understanding the physics of the stars. It wasn't me understanding how big the universe was. It wasn't any of those things. What came to me and the gift that God gave me is probably for the first time in my life, I really felt close that God was there with me. I really felt like when I talked and I asked and I sought out the presence of God and made it my routine and made it my discipline and made it something that was a priority in my life, I felt like God spoke. God was close. God came near. I can't describe and I can't exactly explain exactly what that looks like or feels like. But I bet you in your life there's been a moment you caught a glimpse of that. 
There's been a moment maybe where you were singing a song in a service and you felt like there is something more going on. God is here. Maybe it was a moment where you prayed. Maybe you were at, in your worst moment and you've humbled yourself and you said, God, show up. And you felt something. Something was there. You felt that something in your heart, something in your spirit, something intrinsic that we can't necessarily tangibly hold on to and say, like, I know exactly how to get it or I know exactly how to feel it. But there's something that is there that we've recognized. And all of humanity throughout the years, all kinds of different cultures, all kinds of different places, they've had that same experience that is unique to humankind that we recognize and feel something that there's, there's got to be more out there. There's people here that are asking those same questions, trying to figure it out. And Paul is there in that moment saying, I see you. You're trying to figure it out. Let me explain something to you. That the God that created everything is really a lot closer than you think. The God that created everything is is you're right there. You're really close. And if you just understand and recognize, and maybe, maybe we could talk about it some more, if you, if you cry out to him, he'll come close to you. He'll be there. He'll walk beside you. And I can testify to this reality, even though I can't explain it or just hand it off to you, that there's been moments in time in my life where I recognized God was there. God was moving. God was hearing my prayers. God was close. Now, I also have to say that there's been moments in time in my life where I felt alone. Moments in time where I had a lot of questions. Moments in time where I wish God felt closer. But there are those moments and we see those glimpses. And he's relating to people and saying, listen, just recognize something. That God is there. And God puts something deep down in our soul and our spirit that testifies to this. That cries out for this. That longs for this. He continues to say in verse 29, he says this. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has said a day when you will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. While they... While they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was a bunch of people that I can't pronounce their name uh, and a number of others. There you go. Uh, anybody want to help with the pronunciation? Anybody an expert at that? Okay. All right. There you go. This is your own uh, personal homework. Uh, for you to try to figure out these pronunciations. But we look at this, and we look at this conclusion as he is, he's looking at the people and he says, he says this. He says, God is close to you. 
And he gave you something that can prove to you how close he is, how powerful he is, how much he cares. The proof of the resurrection, the proof of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is a picture that we should recognize, of course, that God is big. But God became small. God became close. God became intimate. God came in human flesh. And walked among us. And this, this demonstration of who God is, is proof that God is close. That God is closer than we may even think. That God is reaching out in an incredible way. And is reaching out to you and is reaching out to me. And he says as a result, he says, he says therefore, in this section, in verse 29, he says, therefore, repent. Turn to God. Look to God. Seek out God. And some people followed and believed. In our world, I just hope that we can grasp the concept that of course God is big. Of course God is powerful. Of course God is omnipotent, omniscient. All of these things. But God is really close. And in many ways, what I would like you to know and understand is that that is what makes God really, really great. Superman, pretty cool. Good movies. But what makes God really great is in all his power, he wants a relationship with us. So as you look out into the stars, as you have big questions, as you think about these things... I just want you to stop for a moment and, and ask yourself, am I accepting, am I opening myself up to what God really wants? Something really close, something intimate, a relationship, a conversation. That this is what God did, this is what God created, why he created it all. is so that he could show up and be involved in our lives. A moment ago, we spent a, spent a few moments just praying for one another. We spent a few moments thinking about that. We sing these songs. We do all these things. What I would just say to you is focus your attention on making sure you leave space in your life to, to make sure that you're drawing close to God. God has extended an offer to us, has done all this work, and is really close is a lot closer than we might think. Are you responding to that? Are you open to that? Are you engaging in that relationship in a deeper way? What makes God great is not the bigness. What makes God great is he is big and wants a relationship with us. Will you pray with me? God, I think that it's appropriate for me just to say, I'm sorry. That sometimes I would almost prefer, God, 
that you'd be out there in the distant galaxies. If I'm honest, sometimes I would prefer that you're just this big figure that is out there doing big things. But that's not what you proclaim in the Bible. That's not what you proclaim with your life, death, and resurrection. God, what you proclaim to us is that you're really close. God, that you see all of our faults and flaws. You know all of our anxieties. You know all of our strengths. You know all of our weaknesses. There's nowhere we can hide from you. And God, even, even though we would look at our life and there's be, there'd be lots of things we'd like to hide, lots of things we'd like to ignore, You see it all and you still say you love us. You see it all and you still say, I created you for a relationship. God, I pray that we would be people that don't treat you like a distant God. but instead we would realize that you're closer than we think. And God, right now, if there's people in this room that just feel like it's felt distant, you haven't felt close, God, I pray right now your spirit would come upon them, that you'd open up, let us see that you're right there. You've always been there. You always will be there. Help us to open up our heart. God, hear our prayers today. Draw near to us, we pray. Amen.